What's going on, guys? Welcome to another week of the podcast. Appreciate you guys joining in, wherever you're joining, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, whatever that may be. We just appreciate you guys listening. I'm by myself in the studio today. Before we jump in, I just want to ask uh, if this episode provides you any value or if you've been listening for any length of time, if you're like, hey, man, this podcast is dope. It helps out a ton if you leave or review up at the top wherever you're listening, or subscribe, or follow, or like the video if it's on YouTube. That stuff helps a huge amount. With that said, I got this question on Instagram, how to deal with church hurt, how to deal with church hurt. Uh, And I've actually gotten this question a few times over, and so I wanted to tackle it. I'm kind of in the studio by myself today, but still wanted to kind of jump on this and provide some clarity and possibly even some encouragement along the lines of church hurt. First off, what is church hurt? Church hurt is the emotional, spiritual, and physical harm caused by a church to others, regardless of intent. And that's an important distinction. Regardless of intent is that it always it doesn't always have to be malicious means. It doesn't always have to be this idea of, well, I, I was, you know, motivating myself with, you know, evil to to bring ruin and detriment to somebody else's life. It doesn't always have to be that. It just oftentimes is an abuse of power. And we'll kind of get into exactly what that means in a little bit. Some examples I've seen, because I've pastored in the church for five, six years and seen a lot of stuff, and just some examples I've seen that have been brought to me that I've gone through myself, whatever. You know, it's a single mom whose church promised to stand by her and then disappeared after she got a divorce from her abusive husband. It's a, a sweet teen, I see this all the time, who was told that she would burn in hell, or that God wouldn't love her anymore if she made friends with the wrong kind of people or slipped up sexually or you know, gossiped or did any of these things, right? An, an abuse of scripture, a contorting of what the meanings are. A volunteer, oh my, oh my gosh, this is so prevalent. A volunteer who was overworked and underappreciated for years until they finally had a panic attack or eventually just got burned out. I mean, this happens all the time with churches, right? Is that maybe not by malicious means, but the reality is, is that maybe you're a volunteer and you've been helping out with your church and you just felt like you kind of got lost in the shadows and you were doing, you know, everything and anything just to help the church and it went underappreciated and at the end of the day you're just like I I hate this I don't want to do this anymore and it kind of ruins your passion for what is a good thing which is to serve the church so that's a sad thing and that happens right and I've seen that before a young dating couple forced out of the church after their sexual slip-up was gossiped about throughout the entire church I mean this happens all the time, people just spreading rumors and spreading lies and spreading just slander about different individuals that causes them to literally have to leave and find another church home. You know, it's another one in which a man who opened up about his struggles only to be told that his depression, his anxiety, his stress meant he lacked real faith. Just pray a little bit more. Hey, just, you know, maybe if you if you read your Bible a little bit more, you wouldn't be so depressed or whatever that may be, as opposed to getting him the actual mental help consultation that he needed in that moment, right? And, you know, these types of situations happen in so many different ways. Mentioned up at the top, right? It's regardless of intent that sometimes these things are on accident, but not always. Uh, Church hurt happens in a lot of ways, you know, contorting spiritual principles for selfish gain. I was watching a clip on, must have been YouTube or TikTok the other day, and this guy was like, they were talking about some nuances in scripture, this guy was like, I can make this Bible say whatever I want it to say. And it's like, oh my gosh, red flag. Like what? Like no. But that's typically how a good amount of ministers can operate is, hey, you know, I got a point to make and I need the the spiritual principle to 
line up with that so I can make my point. And so therefore I'm going to use the nuances of the context and have it say this. That's obviously an issue. You know, this comes a lot with, you know, purity movements and things like that. Uh, uncommunicated expectations and serving ventures. So, you know, a volunteer gets in, they're serving, they're happy, they're fired up, but there's just this uncommunicated expectation, whether on the volunteer side or the, the staff member side, and then, you know, the person ends up working more than a staff member does and gets burnt down and frustrated. There's careless and unguarded communication amongst congregation and leaders. You know, it's often our most significant wounds result from an accident, a moment of carelessness, or someone's good intentions that went wrong, right? Just just saying things, just thinking you're in a moment of comfort and you're like, you say a certain statement or say a dog, something in maybe a dogmatic form. And it's like, that really could hurt people's feelings, especially if that person's a leader in the church. And I'll talk about that in a little bit too, what that, what maybe some precautions leaders need to be taking in that way, you know, using authority to assault or manipulate people. And that's, that's been done since the beginning of the age, right? Not just in churches, but in government systems and businesses, right? It's just leveraging toxic authority, leveraging the ability to make decisions and using it to manipulate people. That's always an issue, of course. And the reality is if, and this goes for me, you know, as a staff member, I, I have to be very weary of this is that if if you as a, as a church leader or a volunteer or just a congregant have caused damage to someone, you, it's on the onus on us as leaders in the church to reach out and apologize for our behavior, uh, the tone, the attitude, is that we got to model genuine sorrow and repentance. So that's right off the top. If that if we are responsible for anybody's church hurt, or we even maybe reflect and think back that we perhaps are responsible for somebody's church hurt, we got to act differently. We have to model the proper response. That means we act differently. Our talk has to match our walk when it comes to this stuff. And I know I have to do this often just to be completely sure uh and all these things right it's just it's just such a sad reality to see church hurt happen because church is god's plan a for the salvation and the sanctification of his people and there is no plan b and so if church is not a safe space for people then so many problems come as a result of that that's what we see i think in the world today where we have an embrace of spirituality but we have kind of a distancing ourselves from the construct of of church, the local church, the the big church down the road, the you know whatever that may be. And I think the reason for that is because I think the staff and the leaders and the volunteers and maybe other even other people who go to the church don't represent it at what is at what it really needs to be, which is a hospital for the broken, right? A place where everybody is welcome, where you can bring your brokenness and things like that. When the church can no longer serve that function and it becomes a place in which you have to act right, look right, talk right, and everything has to be perfect about your life for you to be accepted, and it's like this country club Christianity, that poses significant issues, significant issues, and it was never the situation that God set up for the church. Now, obviously deviating away from those who are responsible for causing church hurt and things like that. And, you know, as we all are susceptible to getting in the way of someone's walk with God, we all are, we're all broken, simple humans. I want to talk to the people who have been hurt. The truth is you may not be responsible for your church hurt, but you are responsible for the healing. No, you didn't do anything to deserve the trauma or turmoil that happened at the hands of church leadership or, or the congregation. But you are responsible for coming to a place of healing and wholeness despite the difficulty of doing so. 
We may not be responsible for the hurt, but we're all responsible for our own healing. I'm not saying you did anything to deserve it. I'm not trying to victim shame you. I'm not trying to apply any of that to you. But what I am letting you know is that if you ever want to get to a place of wholeness, if you ever want to get to a place of peace again, you have to take responsibility for that. And so here's a couple of ways that I kind of jotted down in some notes throughout this week that like how to heal from church hurt and how I've walked with others uh, when it comes to healing from this. This is not an exhaustive list, but just some things that I think have been an encouragement to other people that I've talked to. Number one is call it what it is, right? Come to grips with what really happened to you. It is abuse. It is abuse to an extent. Church leaders hold power, but great power includes great responsibility. If someone misuses their power, the result is defined as abuse, which means to act in a manner, Oxford Language Dictionary, to act in a manner to cause bad effect or for a bad purpose. Church hurt stems from experiencing someone else abusing their power in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't have to be the lead pastor. It doesn't even have to be a staff member. It could be a congregant who just gossiped about you, whatever that looks like, right? In any sense, they had some leverage over you, leverage enough to hurt you, and they took the opportunity to do so, whether intentional or not. For pastors, even leaders in the church, you know, this is why the book of James talks about, like, warns against becoming leaders because to do it wrong, to abuse power, will lead to massive problems in the church, as I mentioned earlier. And that's why that verse is so distinctly like, hey, be weary before you join a church shop. Be weary before you step up in leadership because with great leadership opportunity comes great responsibility. Be careful before you do that. And that's why it is because you can abuse that. So call it what it is, abuse. Number two. Guard against bitterness. Guard against bitterness. Once you come to validate your feelings, which I think your feelings are valid about this, guard against a sense of bitterness because that doesn't make you better or it doesn't make the situation better at all. Hebrews 12, 15 talks about, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. It's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And bitterness is a poison that can physically kill you. Not only can bitterness escalate conflict and add to your emotional pain, right? But, you know, some studies have even shown that unresolved anger can cause serious health issues such as like a weakened immune system, system, uh, heart issues, and things like that, right? Unforgiveness forces a lose-lose situation, right? One, let's just think of the abuser. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to pity them, but I'm just, it's just the reality, right? They lose because they've lost a relationship in which if they were able to hurt you, they were probably mildly close to you. Obviously, they lose a relationship and, you know, they're distraught, which I'm not saying that they don't deserve it. I'm just saying that's the reality. But it also causes a losing your life because now you're giving that person ownership over your feelings and your life and how you walk from here on out. I think that's a significant issue. Unforgiveness forces a lose-lose situation. There's that. Uh, number three, and maybe the most important one of this little list here is you got to separate the church hurt from God's character. You got to separate the hurt from God's character. Is that you got to recognize that the church is God's creation, but it does not always operate in God glorifying ways. Some aspects of God's character are crystal clear throughout the Bible. If you feel busted up or beaten on by church community, it's important to step back for a moment and remind yourself who God is apart from the hurtful actions. That these are God's people but they are not always operating in line with God, with what God would have for them. Even Jesus, he would empathize with you. He had harsh words for unhealthy, abusive leaders, right? Like the Pharisees and things like that. And Matthew 23, 9, Luke 11. Like he is like, comes down on these people. Like, how dare you do this? How dare you do that, right? Like Jesus empathizes with you. He gets it. He hates this stuff. 
That's why it's crucial for pastors and leaders to be super careful. I'm talking to myself here, right? And any church leaders listening to this, it's crucial for pastors and leaders to be super careful in their critiques or corrections. Personally, I try to very rarely correct anyone out of caution of how deep my words will cut them. For any leader in the church, you need to be very cautious in your critique because you need to recognize how far that can go in somebody's life. And if you're just out there throwing unguarded critiques and telling people how to live their life and telling people what's wrong with them, that is a problem. Even if you mean well by that, that could be potentially distorting their view of church and ruining the passion that they may have had for the church and serving the church. You got to be very careful in your critique if you are a leader in the church. With that said, with that behind us, off that little soapbox. Next one is be intentional about healing. Be intentional about healing. If you've expressed church hurt, it can cause you to feel helpless and alone. In order to reclaim your power, you need to set boundaries with those responsible for the pain. Then you need to also heal the agony inside your own soul. But in order to heal, you'll need the help of safe people, a.k.a. go see a counselor, man. Like I probably jump on every single episode and talk about this. The grace that is biblical counseling and that is a mental health professional to be able to sit down to be able to unravel all those things that you have inside your heart. That is an amazing gift from God. Leverage it, right? Um, but along with these things, if you want to address the issue with leadership, if you feel like, you know, I, I like this church, I respect this church, I, I really want to deal with what's going on here. Pro tip, don't do not do that alone. Like, don't schedule a meeting with, what, with whatever pastor or with whatever individual that you feel like hurts you alone. Uh, I think y'all have had enough one-on-one interaction if you're already feeling uh, some type of way is that in this next situation that you want to confront them in, I think you bring somebody with you, a good friend, a trusted mentor, and you sit down with them together. If you really feel like, hey, I want to address this, which I think it's good to address it. Like if you really feel like you're a victim of this, that means other people are probably a victim of it and it's good to address it. Just make sure you bring somebody with you to safeguard from any manipulation or sort of lies or whatever that may be. It just operates as amazing accountability and you want to be able to do that. The next one, and as hard as this may be, re-pursue your spiritual practices. Re-pursue your spiritual practices, even though the spiritual practices as you're doing them, reading the Bible, praying, things like that, may resurface previous pain, try to complete them with like a new perspective, right? Because of a leader abusing them or using them to manipulate you, I understand that can be like, well, I don't want to read the Bible anymore because the whole my whole life I've heard this Bible misused and, manip- and try to manipulate me into doing things and feeling a certain way and feeling guilty about myself even though God has given me grace. And I totally understand that. But the reality is this, the same things that were used to manipulate you, are they going to be the same things that sanctify you and bring you to a place of healing? And it's so important not to neglect those activities for you. Like pray, read the Bible, trust the God that is behind them, maybe not the people that use them to bring problems into your life. I know that's difficult, but it's going to be necessary for a healing journey. Like do what you can though, right? I'm not, I'm not asking you to sit down and read, you know, the whole Bible in, in 90 days or something crazy like that. But do, just do what you can. Start with a verse a day, a chapter a day. Just don't neglect them completely. Like you got to get back into a spiritual rhythm, man. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because it's not the God that's the problem. In fact, God is the solution. It's the people that are sinful are the problem. And we got to recognize that. We got to be able to make that distinction. And the last one is seek peace. Seek peace. God's purpose is that we live at peace with everyone, Romans 12, 18. We don't get a hall pass on that because we are hurt. 
People are sinful, even pastors and ministers. But we got to seek peace above all else, no matter what has happened to us. We got to live at peace with everyone. And it's difficult and it can cause complexity in our life. And I totally understand that. But that's what God has called us to do. Conflict and hurt almost always result in strained relationships, which can add to emotional pain. Uh, and seeking, But seeking peace with the person who hurt you could be that very, very pivotal and maybe even final step on your healing journey, right? And as I mentioned earlier, like if you're going to do that, though, as you're seeking peace with people and as you're, as you're trying to confront these issues, whether you're confrontational or not, or whether that scares you or whether that kind of like invigorates you, you need to be very cautious. You need to bring somebody with you. Because accountability, baby, accountability is key in all the other situations, not just avoiding sin, but also in confronting church hurt. But guys, I hope this list helped you out. I mean, my prayer for you is that you're able to, that God is able to heal you from the church hurt, that you're able to bounce back and begin to fall back in love with God's creation, the church. But love you guys and hope you'll have an awesome week. Thanks for listening. Peace. I hope this episode helps you out and provided you tons of clarity and encouragement. If so, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review and also share this show on your social media. It helps more than you know. Until next time.